Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we're going to talk about Kindle Unlimited. For those of you who don't know, Kindle Unlimited, also called KU, is the, quote, Netflix of books, unquote. It costs readers $9.99 a month, and they get unlimited access to over 1 million books. So is it a good idea for your book to be on Kindle Unlimited? Well, to help answer this question, we're going to talk with a true professional author. Writing is her day job. She's up before the sun, putting words on the page before her kids wake up. Uh, And the early writer publishes the book, and she's published over 50 books, first with uh, a big five publisher and then as an indie author. So I'm I'm excited to welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast, USA Today bestselling author, Lacey Williams. Thank you, Thomas. I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, Now, before we jump in talking about KU, I should mention that you have a free gift for our listeners. Uh, It's an indie publishing guide, the Smart Indie Basic Publishing Plan that you can download at LaceyWilliams.net forward slash novel marketing. And that's just a totally free download. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes. So thank you for offering that. That's really cool. Hey, you're welcome. So Lacey, how does Kindle Unlimited work? Okay, before we jump into all the hows, I think we should talk just for a second about terminology, uh, because there are several different things that can trip authors up. So uh, you went straight off and uh, called it Kindle Unlimited, and that is what you would call it from the reader side. So when the reader signs up at Amazon, they're familiar with Kindle Unlimited and the Kindle Unlimited Lending Library. Those are the titles that are available in Kindle Unlimited for them to download. And you're right, it is like Netflix. Sometimes books will cycle in and cycle out of there. So they may find something today that they can download that may not be available tomorrow or next week or in three months. From the author side, authors will be familiar with the KDP platform, Kindle Direct Publishing. Uh, to get your books to where readers can find them in Kindle Unlimited, you have to opt into a program on that on the Kindle KDP side that's called KDP Select. And what Select means is you are giving Amazon exclusive rights to have your book on their website for 90 days from the day that you enroll. So your book cannot be on any other retailer. You cannot sell it from your website. You can't offer it as a free download uh, for readers to get widely from your website or anything like that. Uh, With KDP Select, you have to be exclusive to Amazon for those 90 days. And after the 90 days, if it's not working for you, you can take your book back out of it. The other terminology that you want to have in your mind is a KDP or a KU borrow. So when a reader finds your book on Amazon and sees that it is available for Kindle Unlimited, they can borrow it to their bookshelf within um, KU. So readers can have up to 10 books at a time. And it is, uh, if you have ever used um, your library's digital platform or even like checking out a book from your local library, you're allowed to have a certain number of books. And then when you turn them back in, it opens up a spot on your lending record where you can um, get a new book. So KU works like that. You can have up to 10 books all at one time. If you read one and turn it back in, or if you start one and don't like it and you want to get another different book, you can uh, return it using the feature on your Kindle or on the online platform at Amazon and then get a new book. So this will be important later. That's why I'm mentioning it now. (laughs) 
Okay, and then the other terminology that we want to mention is KENP, which is Kindle Edition Normalized Page. Um, so when you, as an author, upload your book to KDP, uh, Kindle says uh, no matter how many words are in there, it looks at how they're spread out, how they're spaced in the book, and it says there is some calculation for it that authors do not know, but it says this is how many books, how many pages your book has that will go towards the the counting of the pages for the page reads. Um, so, uh, and that is important when it talks about how you get paid. Right, because how the money is divided, basically the money is put into a big pot. So you have the you know millions of KU readers and they all pay their $10 a month and every month this pot has millions of dollars and then the pot is not divided up by uh, you know equally amongst authors right where all the authors get the same bit of the money the money's divided up against all of the pages that are read so the author who has the most pages read gets the most money and the next author and so on so you may have a bunch of books on Kindle Unlimited but if no one actually reads your book you're not going to get any of that pot and how much of a reader's money goes to the books they read depend on depends on how many books they read. So the best kind of Kindle Unlimited user from an author's perspective is the Kindle Unlimited user who doesn't read any books <laughs> because their money goes into the pot and it just increases the um, value of all the other readers on the Kindle Unlimited platform. But that doesn't really affect you one way or the other. And so it's the pages that are read is how you're compensated. Is that right? Correct. And that changes every month. So for, uh, we're still in January right now, as of the date of this podcast, we're still racking up the numbers for January. As of December, the whole pot, they call it the KDP Select Global Fund, that whole pot was $26.2 million. And it, at your right, it was divided by all of the pages that were read. Um, and then you get a payout amount, and it can vary slightly from month to month. So if a lot more readers are reading that month, the payout might be slightly lower, or there are months where it goes up slightly. For December, in the United States, the payout was a little bit less than half a cent per page. So it was 0. 0.00466, and then down on the line from there. There's also a different um, payout rate for the United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia. So they also have a KU program in those countries, but because the number of readers is different than in the U.S., the books that are downloaded in those countries are actually counted separately and divided out separately. The U.K. was lower, Canada was similar, and Australia was lower than in the U.S. All right, so what are some of the pros and cons of having your book in Kindle Unlimited? Okay, so here's where... You get to some fun stuff. <laughs> okay, remember we talked about borrows, where a reader could put your book on their bookshelf, whether or not they read it, it counts as a borrow. And on the Amazon side, if you are an indie author, I, I know that you look at your book rankings. So you look on your book page, you know, it may be once a week, it may be multiple times a day, and you see, hey, my book is ranked, you know, 25,000 in all of the Kindle books in the Kindle store. And that ranking is made up of how many people are purchasing your book, but also how many people are borrowing your book. So there have been other authors and industry professionals who have tested this. And anytime that you have a borrow, 
Amazon, for ranking purposes only, sees it as a purchase of that book. So you may have a new book um, in, in the Kindle Unlimited library that's newly available, and you might have 1,000 readers. I mean, that's a really big number, so you probably don't. But you may have 1,000 readers um, go in and borrow it on the very first day that it's available, and Amazon will see the rankings will see that as 1,000 sales. And you should see a corresponding lowering in your ranking, so putting you higher in the Kindle store. So that's one of the really big benefits of being in KDP Select because if you are a wide author and your books are across all the platforms, you have to work really hard to get a thousand actual sales of your book versus a thousand borrows where the readers already paid, you know, their monthly fee and they don't have to pay more actual money to get that book. So that is a big one. Another benefit at the end of each month, Amazon awards KDP Select All-Stars. So they look at the most read authors and the most read titles. So it's two separate things. So as an author, if you have and I'm totally just throwing numbers out there, but if you have like 40 million page reads out of your entire catalog, uh, you might end up on the all-stars list, the top people who had the 25 people who had the most page reads in the whole store. Or maybe you had a really popular book this month and maybe that one book had 1 million page reads because so many readers were flocking to it and talking about it. And that one book might be in the top 25 uh, most read titles for the month. So there are bonuses that um, KDP, that Amazon hands out at the end of every month for those most read titles and most read authors. I do not have any information on what those are. Amazon keeps it very close to the vest. They don't publish the names. They used to publish the names. And then I think there was some unethical behavior by other authors. So they don't publish the names anymore and they don't publish the amounts, but there are bonus amounts. And it's pretty hard to get to them. One particular author who I know has been on the list multiple times, and she has a very big catalog and she advertises her books all the time and runs discount sales all the time. And she's able to have a lot of visibility on Amazon. And because of that, then she makes this all-star list. So you get an advantage uh, getting that bestseller badge because people borrowing your book or downloading it onto their Kindle counts as a purchase for the Amazon bestseller badge. And so and that that is huge. Having the badge is huge as far as readers are concerned. The rankings, I don't feel like readers pay much attention to a ranking. Like they don't really know if you're 10,000 or if you're 50,000. But Amazon viewers definitely pay attention to that number one bestseller badge that you get. And so that arguably is a you know alone maybe enough reason because that will help drive sales across your other categories it'll help drive ebook sales cuz not all kindle users are kindle unlimited users right like i own a kindle but i don't pay for kindle unlimited i also don't really buy ebooks as those of you who listen to this show know i get audiobooks but there's a lot of people who are kind of casual kindle users and they may buy your your ebook for full price but the ranking will help They're like, ooh, it's a number one bestseller. And what they don't know is, you know, of the thousand sales that got you to the number one bestselling status in that particular category, you know, 950 of them were actually free downloads in the Kindle Unlimited uh, program. So the other thing about rankings, and I don't want to go off on a huge tangent here, is there are a lot of category bookshelves within Amazon where if you have a higher ranking, even if you're not really high in the store, you could be a, in the top 100 
in a certain category, and that does get you more visibility, as you said. So readers who are more casual readers or readers who are very voracious readers who look at those top 100 lists, and maybe they've read the top 50 books already, but they see your book and it's number 51, it gives the readers another place to look for those books. And having higher rankings will get you onto those category bestseller lists. Even not being number one can still get you some visibility. So, yes. I remember going uh, with my mom to Barnes & Noble one time. We were just going out for coffee. And uh, we're walking to the coffee shop in Barnes & Noble. We're walking past the business section. And they had the kind of end cap of business books, you know, the most popular business books facing the aisle. And I just paused and I'm like, I read this one, this one, this one, this one. I basically read all of the best-selling uh, business books. I read a lot of books or I listen to a lot of books. And, you know, for somebody like me, I'm always looking for that next one, right? Because I've already read all the ones on the end cap. And then, it's, you know, it becomes more work to kind of dig a little bit uh, deeper past that. And one of the nice things about Kindle Unlimited is it's a low risk for a reader to try out a new author, right? I was like, no, I've never heard of Lacey Williams before, but her covers look interesting. Her blurbs look interesting. Oh, her book is free on Kindle Unlimited. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And then I read it. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really good. What else does she have? And then I see that you have 49 other books. And suddenly by the time you're done with me, you've gotten, you know, 100,000, you know, Kindle Unlimited page reads from my Kindle. There are a few other benefits that are a lot more intangible. I subscribe to some of the Amazon emails. You know, I follow certain authors, but I also am on some of their email lists. And they do have one um, that I've gotten over the last couple of months that says, because you've read this title in Kindle Unlimited, you may also be interested in these other titles in Kindle Unlimited. And I don't know if that is something that's totally curated by them, but the focus of the email was specifically Kindle Unlimited titles. So there is some publicity that you can get through Amazon internally by being in that program that would be separate from just being a wide title uh, where you're competing against all the other titles. All right. So uh, what are some cons of having your book in KU? Um, I would say for sure that the payout is a con. So I just pulled some numbers for this so that I wouldn't have to do it on the air and you guys wouldn't see my awful math skills. So the current payout in December, we said, was a little less than half of a cent per page. So if I have a 100-page novella out there and a reader reads the entire thing in Kindle Unlimited, I would get paid 46 and a half cents for it. So depending on what you would price that novella, for me, I price my novellas a lot of times at $2.99. And if a reader flat out bought the book on Amazon, my royalty would be $2.09. So the royalty for a purchase would be a lot higher than if a reader read the entire book all the way through in Kindle Unlimited. And I should also note that on a purchase, it does not matter if the reader reads it or not. Obviously, I want my readers to read the books because I want them to enjoy them and then buy the next book, but it doesn't actually matter if or when they read it to know when I get paid for it. For a 250-page book, the Kindle Unlimited payout would be $1.16. I might price that book at $4.99 as a sale, which the royalty for that would be $3.49. 400-page book, the payout is $1.86. For that kind of book, I might price it at $9.99 and the royalty would be $6.99. So the payout for the author in Kindle Unlimited can be a lot lower, but you really have to balance it with the visibility because if you have a lot of borrows, the visibility for people who are not 
part of KU, like you said, Thomas, and want to purchase it, they might see it on one of Amazon's category bookshelves and decide to purchase it where you then have the ability for that reader to see it when they would have never seen it before. So it really is a balancing act. Another negative, another con is that 90-day exclusivity. If you wanted to sell the book on your website, you know, and you're not going to get a lot of hits for that because people love how easy Amazon is. They made the one click where all you have to do is click it once and it goes right to all your devices. But if you want to be on another platform, if you have built up a lot of big readership that is on Apple Books or that is on Barnes & Noble, they would not have access to that book. I do see some authors kind of make a workaround on this where they'll do a limited wide release, like they might have it wide for one or two weeks, and they tell all their readers through all of their um, social media, their newsletter, any place that they can advertise it to their readers that this is only going to be on these wide platforms for one week, and at that point it will go into KU after that. And I do see some benefit to doing that. It also captures the readers who are on Amazon who really want to read the book in that first week. They don't have access to it through KU, so they might go ahead and purchase it during that first week. So you would have the potential for having higher royalties during that first week before you put it into Kindle Unlimited. And that's also a really good way of introducing urgency. So we uh, talked on a recent episode about how urgency is a really powerful motivator, right? People will never act if they can do it tomorrow, right? They'll always procrastinate. Oh, I'll write that chapter tomorrow. And so when you can make something urgent where you have to act today, and if that urgency can be real and not manufactured, it's all the all the better. And so saying, hey, if you want to buy it on iBooks, it's only on iBooks for a week, or it's only on iBooks for a month, and then it will never be on iBooks again, or it's going away from iBooks books. Suddenly, if I'm a, if I prefer iBooks, I have a huge incentive to act now rather than to procrastinate. And and it's not contrived, right? Because you're being forced to take it off of iBooks by Amazon. <laughs> and so it's not a gimmick. It's just a powerful, motivating social trigger, a way of leveraging marketing psychology. I really like that as a strategy. I do think you just want to be really clear on your reader expectations. You know, if you're going to do this kind of strategy, do it with every book launch. So it's not this way for one launch and then next time you don't even offer the wide release and then on the third launch you do something totally different. I think your readers, they want to have a good relationship with you. So just be really clear on the expectation of how you're going to do the launches so that they can get access to the book the way that they need it. The other thing is you can always publish a paperback or a hardcover copy of your book. And that is not part of the exclusivity agreement to Amazon. So you can have your paperback version wide across all retailers, and that has nothing to do with your ebook version. You're not gonna get punished by Amazon for having that. So a lot of times that's what I've done with my readers. You know, if they really, really don't want to buy it on Amazon, well, it is available in paperback at these other retailers. So that does give them another option as well. So what kind of author is a good fit for KU? Really, any kind of author can be a good fit for KU. I came into this interview going, it really just is going to depend on what the author, what their intentions are for their career, what they want to do. The authors that I see doing really fantastically well with it are authors who publish frequently. They have more than one release every year. So readers are looking for their books in the KU program and and on Amazon on a regular basis. Readers who have a really long backlist. 
Uh, I do think also people who have longer books. So for the past couple of years, I've had all of my novellas, which are about 100 to 150 pages in this program. And for me, the payout on those books is really just not worth it. So I'm actually in the process of taking the shorter books out of that program and going wide with all of those books. I've heard authors who say that they rotate their books in and out. So they may have one series that's in the KU program where it can get introduced to a lot of those readers, and they may have two series that are not in that program. Or they may rotate where one is in for this quarter, and then next quarter it comes out and another series goes into the program. I have not heard a lot of people claiming success with just a single book. I think KU works really well for authors with series because these readers are really hungry for content. So I kind of think that these are the same readers who go to a library book sale and they might buy a really giant box of books for $1 and they don't really care if it's a mix of books. They don't really care if their favorite author has something in there. They are really hungry for the content. So they just want more and more and more. And they may find an author that they absolutely love and go on and read all of their books or they may just go to the next thing that really hits their fancy. So they are really hungry. I have heard some authors saying that they wanted to try KU to get new readers and then transfer those readers to where they have to purchase books. And I've heard mixed results on that. And I think some of that is just the quality of the content. If you're a really strong writer and you have really strong hooks that would draw readers to other content after this. You know, if you have one series that's in KU, you want to make sure that there's a really strong hook to a second series that's not in KU, an open story question or an open relationship or something that is going to drive the reader to want to read those other books. Like if you just tie it all up neat in a bow, then the reader has the choice of starting something completely different. So I, I think that's really part of it when you think about a strategy that that would be on on multiple platforms, really how to drive those readers to other places. I will say that I've really enjoyed KU and I have made a lot of money in KU, but for my next release, I'm actually going to be trying a wide release this summer and it's going to be a trilogy and it is going to be wide and we're going to see how that goes. Yeah, I would say that people who write genre fiction are probably a better fit for KU because genre fiction readers are less discriminating because they're, they're just wanting to read more of their genre. So, of course, the king of this is romance, right? There's people who will read 100 plus romance novels a year. And if that's how many romance novels you're reading a year, you're not picky, right? Because there's no single author who can generate that amount of um, books for you to read. So you're just reading whatever you can get your hands on. And other kinds of genre fiction as well kind of going down from there. So science fiction and fantasy. I would say less for like literary fiction, uh, less for memoir. I don't think memoir would do well at all in KU because these are people who are driven because they see you as a celebrity and you know, people aren't looking to read memoirs by people they haven't heard of. So memoir probably not going to work in KU. If you've written your one nonfiction book that's like your go-to that you use to get speaking gigs, you know, you can be in KU if you want. My book is in KU, but honestly, it's in KU because I haven't bothered to take my book out of KU because my book is not at all connected with my brand. It's not at all connected with anything that I do right now. I've basically abandoned the book. And so I'm like, well, whatever, I'll leave it in KU. And it brings in money every month and it allows people who are on KU to access it easily. Uh, but I get, I think, 
uh, far more actual sales than I get KU reads because the kinds of people reading books about dating and relationships aren't on, you know, KU voraciously reading as many books on dating and relationships as they can get their hands on. That's it's not their mindset. Uh, but for, for novelists, especially genre novelists, I think KU is can be really powerful. And in terms of strategies, I want to kind of talk about some strategies, and you've already mentioned several of how to work it in with your overall marketing mix. But I really like the idea of putting your books on Kindle Unlimited for a limited period of time. So let's say we have two authors and they have and they each have uh, 10 books. And one of those authors puts their 10 books on Kindle Unlimited for exactly 90 days, and the other one keeps their 10 books on Kindle Unlimited for all time, or for a year, let's say. So that w- the one with 90 days, they're going to get all of their downloads in those 90 days, which is going to make them more likely to rank uh, and hit bestseller status because they're concentrating all their downloads into this really you know, frenetic, window and it makes them more likely to become a superstar right it's really hard to be a superstar every month but if you're like hey i had zero books on kindle unlimited last month and now i've got 10 books on kindle unlimited and they're only here for three months and then they're going to go away because you have the 90 day that you have to commit i think that that's really powerful and you know some authors have so many books they'll rotate in and out but I really like the idea of coming in for a short period of time, pulling all the money you can get out of KU from all those KU readers, and then leaving. Because the other thing is that after you leave in those 90 days, the people who've downloaded your book can still read it. It's not like the book is turned off for them. But once they delete it off their device, they won't be able to re-download it onto their device. You know, I it's kind of a thing, too, that I've heard from several big-name authors that you will typically have most of your book sales in that first month after launch. And I do think that there's a lot of value in backlist and that you should see some growth in your backlist sales with each new launch. I mean, ideally, we want each new launch to touch some new readers or even a lot of new readers with each launch. But I agree, just having a 90-day strategy, you could still be capturing the majority of the revenue in that first 90 days simply because of how launches work. And there is some stuff on Amazon's end in that first 90 days where they do have like category bestseller lists that are specifically for new releases. So that's visibility that you're not going to get on the ongoing uh, time with your ongoing series of books unless you have new releases in there as well. So I think you're right. That's right, because that's another badge that Amazon has. They have the bestseller badge that they'll put on the page, but they also have the number one new release badge, which I feel like from a reader perspective has the same weight as a bestseller. In fact, in some ways, it may have an even stronger weight because it's like, ooh, this is the hot new book. It's the number one new release. You know, That's almost more exciting than being a bestseller, right? It's like, oh, yeah, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a bestseller. It's been a bestseller for 30, 30 years, yawn, right? It's like, yeah, you know, it's a book my dad keeps buying over and over again. Whereas, the, ooh, number one uh, new release has a little bit of a, a sizzle to it. But what are some other ways that uh, you've seen KU work inside of an overall marketing mix because it's for no I don't think there's any authors where they're getting all of their money from KU there's authors who are getting money from Kindle Unlimited they're getting money from traditional ebook sales on Amazon and then they're getting money from paper book sales and then they're getting money from potentially their other books that may or may not be on Kindle Unlimited so how does this work in terms of strategy what are some things you're seeing that's working 
Um, another one that I have seen working really well is using the BookBub feature deal. So one of the features of this program is you can set your book to free for up to five days during that 90-day period that you are exclusive with them. So you can do a free run of up to five days, or you can do a Kindle discount called a Kindle countdown deal. And if you do a Kindle countdown deal, it can also be up to five days, but you get 70% royalties. I think you get the higher royalty on your book, even if you price it at a low price during those days. So it's, it's a limited time promotional tool that Amazon uses. So I have a really good author friend who gets BookBub featured deals in the Christian fiction world almost every quarter, one every quarter. And she does have several series that are on KU. So she runs the first book in the series for free for five days. She'll do a BookBub featured deal ad and she may stack other ads on the other days during the five day free run. So a lot of readers are seeing that free book and her sell through and page reads on the further books in the series are phenomenal for more than a month after each BookBub feature deal. So you can use those five free days and depending on how much traction you get with your free days, you can have really great sell through for a series. So that kind of the free day strategy is not going to work really well if you don't have a series. If you have a single book, the Kindle countdown deals, I think there are some category pages and I would have to double check that on Amazon where they list the books that are on countdown and which ones are doing well and which ones are not doing well. The thing about the countdown deals is those are not always available in all territories. So I know you can do them in the U.S. I know you can do them in the United Kingdom and I think in Canada, but there are some territories where those are not available. So you do have to be kind of careful of that. So if I have a book that's on Kindle Unlimited, or let's say I'm a Kindle Unlimited user, and I get an email from BookBub that says such and such book is free today. When I click the link to go to that book on Amazon, Amazon's going to present me by default the Kindle Unlimited version of that book. And so when I click to download the free book, it's counting as a download, a Kindle Unlimited download unless I click to a different part of the page to quote unquote purchase it for free, uh, which is why free books are able to drive Kindle and limited sales so much because not all users know to kind of box the Amazon website to get the book free forever. At least that's my understanding of how it works. Is, is that what you've seen? Yeah, it's really kind of fine print right by where the buy button or the read now button is on the individual product page. Most savvy readers know the difference. Uh, if they're on, on the BookBub email list, they probably know the difference to get it as a free download because if you get it for free, it stays in your library for forever. So it doesn't count against the 10 KU titles that you're allowed to have. It stays in your library for forever and it can never go out of your library. Whereas with the KU titles, you do have to like return them. But I agree there are some uh, readers who are maybe just browsing on Amazon and see it listed as a free book and don't bother to change it off of the KU setting. And that can be a really powerful tool depending on how your additional series books do because you could have a really high book on the free bestseller list, which Amazon separates out the free books and the paid bestseller list. And then if you have a really good drive on that one, the second book can be high on the category bestseller list or even in the top 100 on Amazon on paid books. So you could ha technically have two books that are really high in rankings that would be selling really well and then driving more sales to and borrows to the other books. 
And those the nice thing about BookBub featured deals is they don't have to be on brand new books. They can be on backlist books. So sometimes BookBub actually prefers them to be on older books so the books have time to get more reviews on them. All right. We're almost out of time, but I want to go into a kind of a lightning round real quick. Are there any common myths about Kindle Unlimited that you'd like to debunk? I do know some authors kind of try to finagle with the page count. Like they try to do different spacing in their book, like maybe double spacing instead of how you would really like it to be spaced to see on a, on an e-reader screen. And I've heard people say sometimes that they can drive their page count up with that, which means that hypothetically they would get paid more for each book. Amazon really cracks down on that. And if you do something like that, you really risk kind of having your whole entire account revoked. So, you know, I I do think there are some people who claim to or have tried to scam the system and it may work on the short term, but I really don't think that it works on the long term. I really think you just have to write a great book and then another great book. And and that's really the only strategy that works. Yeah. If somebody is claiming to have a, you know, hack and like, oh, and it's secret, right? I can't tell everyone about this, but I'll tell you and, you know, put it into practice. Run away because that kind of approach doesn't last in the long term. And those kinds of authors are not building careers. And they often leave in disgrace. They leave in frustration because either it blows up in their face and their reputation is ruined or it blows up in their face and the strategy stops working and they stop making money and they give up. (laughs) And in neither case do they go on to be successful. So another lightning round question. uh, What do you wish you had known before you started using KU? If you could go back and talk to the Lacey Williams of the past, what would you tell her? (laughs) Um, For me, I had been wide for a long time, and then I dumped all my books in KU all at the same time. And I think I would have done better if I would have dropped in one series at a time and took advantage of the higher visibility you get for that first 90-day period on each individual series. So I think I had one series that did really well and drove more books to other series, but I think kind of spreading them out uh, would have done a lot better. I also, there's a part of me that wishes I would have gone in sooner. I really, really don't like being told that I have to be exclusive to Amazon. So I really fought against doing it for a long time. But for me and for my family, and I mean, really, Amazon has the most readers. They've been they've been building their website to specifically cater to us for way longer than any of the other retailers, you know, and they have so much of their system built up. I really don't know how other retailers can keep up with them. So I do think the bulk of readers are going to be there. So there's a part of me that wishes I would have gone sooner. Because in other words, you started making a lot more money once you went exclusive with Amazon. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just just cut to the chase here. Like, I'm going to take all that noise away and be like, more money for you being exclusive, but less freedom. Yes. Right. Because you're now entirely tied your fortunes are entirely tied to amazon's fortunes and they they control you well and i will say that i went into it very strongly with a strong strategy to try and draw readers specifically to my platform because in the back of my head was the big thing in publishing that happened what five or six years ago where all the big five publishers had to re-sign 
their contracts with Amazon and Amazon was like, take our terms. Uh, we don't care if you leave or not. And they had no choice because all their readers were on Amazon. So they had to sign whatever Amazon wanted them to sign because they didn't have direct contact. They didn't have email lists. They didn't have readers buying through their own websites. So for me, with every single launch, I try to have a specific special something that's tied to the new launch that will entice readers to join my email newsletter list. So it's usually a bonus novella, bonus scenes, or a bonus um, couple that the readers are interested in that were part of the books but didn't get their happily ever after during the book to really draw those readers from Amazon to join my email newsletter list so that, you know, if something happens in the future where I transition away from Amazon, I still have contact with those readers and I can, you know, still reach out to them. So I went into it hating the exclusivity, but knowing that I could, you know, I do have some ability to draw readers to myself. And and I I have continued to do that with every launch. And I tell all my author friends uh, that they should also have something in place to do that same kind of thing. This is why having an email list is so important because it makes you less at risk from Amazon, which I think is a real lesson that the traditional publishing companies, the big ones, really missed out on because, like you said, they didn't have direct connections with readers and it put them at the mercy of those who did. And Amazon, their secret to success is not a secret. It is they're passionately and fanatically focused on the customer. And so many people in publishing are focused on either the book or the bookstore. And those are the wrong things to focus on. Right? Like I, I'll talk to people. I, in fact, I, was, I got an email from a publisher. Didn't like that. I was criticizing uh, small publishers as a bad option. And she's like, these books need to be published. And I'm like, that is why you're still a small publisher because you're too focused on the book. You're not focused enough on the reader. And if instead you had a mindset of these people need or want this kind of book, uh, and I'm going to give them the kind of book that they want, that's where the success is. And that is Amazon's mindset. They, you know, supposedly when they have meetings at Amazon headquarters, they'll have an empty chair set aside for the customer and they'll refer to to the customer. Oh, that's neat. I never heard that before. I don't know if they do that in all the meetings and if that's just like a corporate legend, Uh, but but it makes sense as a practice. And and I do know companies that do that. Some companies will even like print out their avatar of of their customer and and put them as a full life-size poster board and bring them around from, put them in meetings, have them, you know, hang out in the lobby of, of the business. But if you're willing to do have that focus and be more passionate about your readers than you are about your writing, you're going to find that you're so much more successful in the publishing world and that your readers like your writing more. <laughs> and so uh, I know that that takes a little bit of the magic out of it. We want uh, ever, we want to go in it because we love our writing, but ultimately people are more important than paper. Well, and I don't think you can really have success in KU without that. Like we talked about a reader can borrow your book to their bookshelf, but if they don't actually read it, you don't get paid. There is no payment function that happens when they borrow your book. So that really makes a case for having a really strong cover and a really strong blurb where the reader reads the blurb and they have to jump into the book immediately and start it. And there has to be something on every single page that makes them turn to the next page and the next page and the next page until the book is over. Because if they don't read the book, then you don't get paid. 
And that is, uh, I think that's a great place to, to end it. You have to have a good book and none of the rest of this will matter. And KU, more than any other platform, lets you see if you have a good book or not. If you get downloads and people only read 20 pages and then they quit, uh, your book is not going to succeed in KU. Uh, Lacey, where can people find out more about you? They can go to my website, www.laceywilliams.net. Um, they can find me on Facebook, but I'm not super active there because I have four little kids at home and they take up a lot of time. And yet you're a successful author and you're not active on Facebook? <laughs> I think I am more successful because I am less active on Facebook. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting on a soapbox for another topic for another episode. Uh, Lacey, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you for having me, Thomas. It's always fun. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Tax and Business Guide for Authors. This is a course that will help you learn whether or not you qualify for tax deductions for your writing-relating expenses, because not all authors qualify. And if you do, it gives you 19 tax deductions that authors can take advantage of. You'll also learn how to start making writing income even before your book comes out. And you'll also learn business fundamentals like how and when to form an LLC, how to create a business plan, and so much more. This is a course that I teach with my dad, Tom Umstadt, CPA, who has over 35 years of experience working with authors. And you can learn more at authortaxtips.com. And of course, patrons save 50%. Speaking of patrons, our featured patron is Patty Smith Hall, author of Courting Dr. Clark. Dr. Joshua McLean is heading west, but first he stops to break the marriage contract with Katie Clark. But when he comes face to face with the now Dr. Kathleen Clark, he realizes his childhood friend is now all grown up. So thank you, Patty Smith Hall, for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And thank you to all of the patrons who help keep us on the air. If you can't afford to be a patron and still want to help the show, just share this episode with one person you think would find it helpful. Share it with them through the way you normally talk to them. Text message, phone call, instant message, however. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. and Lacey Williams on the Novel Marketing Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit novelmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.